Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. A big thing with any sort of API JSON data is I use just like jsonformatter.org and it just can visually show me it like indents based off of the layers of data. And so that helps you understand when you're going through and trying to extract the data in shortcuts. Each layer is like another, I need to get a dictionary value and go deeper one level versus if I'm staying in that layer, I'm working off of the same bit of information. Welcome back to iPad Pros. Thanks for your time today. I really appreciate you being here. I hope everyone had a restful end of 2018. Up today is part two of the episode you heard at the end of 2018 with Matthew Casanelli. He joins me again to discuss the Shortcuts app. Today's interview goes past the fundamentals of Shortcuts and dives into a bunch of different actions you'll find in the Shortcuts app. and should help you think of new ways you can be using that app. We also touch a bit on using Launch Center Pro in conjunction with Shortcuts. Before we begin, though, a quick announcement regarding the Patreon. As a new perk in 2019, I'm going to be uploading early to Patreon supporters the main iPad Pros podcast. So if you are in any of the tiers, whether it's the $1 tip tier or one of the higher levels, you'll be getting the episodes early. In this case, supporters got the episode on Sunday night rather than Thursday morning. Early release times will vary based on how early I'm able to record the interviews and edit them, but my goal is to get the episodes to supporters as early as possible as a thank you for your support. You can go to patreon.com slash iPadPros to sign up. Your support there is greatly appreciated. Also, if you haven't reviewed the podcast and Apple Podcast, that too is very much appreciated. With that, here's part two of the interview I did with Matthew Casanelli. Enjoy. So how do you find yourself running most of your shortcuts? There's a lot of different ways you can trigger these. Not serious much, which is an interesting challenge because like I learned with workflow, I didn't learn with voice. And so that is a new behavior that I'm building on top of building shortcuts with new functionality and trying to teach people about it. And so that's not as embedded into my brain as just going and running them myself. And also like I have to set up shortcuts specifically to work with Siri versus my other ones are like a lot of multi-tool stuff. Yeah. What I'm also finding is I'm at the interact with the screen anyways to do what I want to do for most of my shortcuts of voice. Yeah. If they enable scripting via voice where you can choose from lists and menus, then the doors will like fly open. Yeah. And if you can input data and work with all that, because then it's like I could run all of my shortcuts with my voice. Yeah. And Apple did figure out voice input with web views on the watch and they could use that same input mechanism to do text input on the watch with shortcuts if they wanted yeah, to. It's all there with Siri. Yeah. Proper. Um, so hopefully that's in integration mode right now or something. That would be so much fun. I think I mistook. They fixed the dictate text action to work when you triggered it from Siri. It would open in function. And when they announced that, I thought it was saying you can now dictate using Siri. And I was like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> this was in like a point release. And I was yeah. like, so I think I got a little hand slap. And it was like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Thanks. Thank you. I'm dumb. I'll hang my head in shame. I'd say I use the widget a lot. A lot of my shortcuts I programmed to work in both the widget and the action extension, mm -hmm. where the most common set of shortcuts actions that I use are count if less than one, get clipboard, otherwise get variable shortcut input. Because basically that means 
at the very top of every shortcut, I count whether or not there's an item being passed in from the beginning of the shortcut, which basically means if there's one, it means there is something being passed in. And so I want to get that. And if there's not, that means there's not something being passed in. And so it's not from the action extension or run shortcut or drag and drop. And then it is from the widget and it needs my clipboard. And so it's this logic that basically turns a shortcut into a multi-tool for both of those spots. That's really cool. And I, I wrote this whole article on the suite setup about it for workflow. And I think I just titled it poorly. So it wasn't as like, I was like, this is amazing. Like this actually makes it work very well. Then I also use spotlight search a lot because you can just go from the home screen, type in the name of the shortcut and then tap it and it'll open and into shortcuts and run it there. That's really useful. Like don't open shortcuts and search, right? Just search from spotlight. Although Spotlight can be spotty. Oh, God, that was not an intentional pun. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of shortcuts do you end up using the share sheet with? I I find that one particularly useful, where other ones, they're nice for accessibility, but the share sheet passing data from within, say, Safari or exporting an image or something like that can be really neat. Yeah, I'd say Safari is a big one, or URLs from other apps in a similar way, like tweets a lot, although that's something that I've been... Like that tweet deets one is helping me because it turns the tweet into the final product instead of me putting it in my task manager and then telling me, oh, I should take notes on this later. Like that's a terrible, terrible system. And for someone so steeped in automation, I'm the worst about it because I just pulled out tons of links that I had put into my task manager to act on and put them back into Instapaper where it's like, that's what links are for is to be able to read them, not just click on them. And so that got a little distracted there, but I basically, I I do like act on those links to send them into the proper place instead of just like moving them into a different spot. I think because I'm so into shortcuts, I do like open the app and find one and run it or like build one and use it right then. (laughs) Like that's a lot of times what I end up doing because it does just take me a couple of minutes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And because I have the point of being able to share it with other people, it's worth it for me to just like create something new right then. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite use of the share sheet is in all the different photo apps. So like affinity designer Mm -hmm. or Adobe comp, you can hit the share sheet and name the photo and upload it to your WordPress media library so you don't have to go rename it after you save it to files and then go in Safari and upload it. It's just mm-hmm. done right there. Can you send me that one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For a while, the post to WordPress one wasn't working if you had Jetpack, I think, because it treated the shortcuts interaction as spam, like it thought somebody was abusing your site. Oh, interesting. But I think that was just fixed. So I was holding off a bit on that. Even though I have shortcuts and can upload to WordPress from that, I do enjoy Ulysses and their interaction for publishing to WordPress, but it doesn't let you name the photo images. And so that one specifically I might use. Yeah, it's super handy because WordPress, as many people know, for some odd reason, there's not a native way to just rename files in WordPress. I don't understand how that's not... I kind of get it. It's like once it's in their database, changing the file name is the only thing you have. And so... Oh, breaking links and things like that. Well, yeah. And just like, that's like the the ID for it. Yeah. And so if that changes, it, it just creates a whole host of other issues that have to redo from that. Even for like SEO or being friendly to people with screen readers, like that stuff is important. And 
Ulysses gives me like a 64 character string of random numbers. Yeah, and if anything's in your photos app, most likely that's got a random uh, photos assigned file name. Yeah. Quick tip on the extension is to change what type of content the shortcut accepts when it's set to like for the share sheet, because if you only want it to show up in photo apps, you can deselect all of the other types like URLs or app store or addresses so that when you run the shortcut from those other apps, it only shows like the relevant content types so that you don't just have like you're in the photos app and it's like get directions to next event. It's like, that's not (laughs) helpful. Right. That does help you like have a little bit more context when you're sharing. But if you're like me and you have a bunch (laughs) of shortcuts, it doesn't matter because I still have so many. Right. (laughs) But then the color, the color cutting helps there too. Yeah. I have a couple that are in red that are ones I use really frequently and I don't use red that often. Just it's a way to stand out for easy tapping of ones I know I want access to. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any installed as an app icon on the home screen? Not currently. I mean, I don't like. The fact that it puts a blank web page in your multitasking view. And yeah. that's not really a big deal, but it something about it does hold me back from that. For anyone who doesn't know, you can add a shortcut to the home screen the same way that you can add a web page to your home screen where it, it actually just creates a bookmark and then it opens into like a temporary web browser and then launches the shortcut. I also just like barely have gotten my home screen under control because one of the problems about having a thousand shortcuts and just in general, the information overload that I have is it breaks like how I use iOS. And so how I have my home screen organized doesn't necessarily make sense. And maybe doing a bunch of home screen shortcuts would actually help because you do get into like a jobs to be done mindset. Whereas iOS is built off of not like silos, but just the apps that you're going to use versus like what you're going to do with it. Every time I do listen to Federico, I'm like, that's a great idea. Like when he was like, I have a work shortcut and then it says, what do you want to do for work? And then based off of that, it sends him down a choose from menu, different path of like, what should I be doing now? And just having that on my home screen instead of Twitter might be better for my productivity perhaps. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So with iOS 12, we got this awesome ability for third parties to integrate with shortcuts, what have been some of your favorite and most useful ones so far? I'd say by far the overcast ones. It does make sense that audio shortcuts pair well with Siri shortcuts. It matches the mindset of you're doing something hands-free already. Like I have a HomePod and so saying overcast weekly and it starts playing my weekly playlist of like my top podcasts. That's super helpful. I need to do more of those now that I'm thinking about it because... I don't, I mostly have Siri triggers, but I don't Mm -hmm. have like my, a ton of multi-step Siri shortcuts. And that's because I do work from home. And so I don't have as many like context switching moments where like walking to my job, I would probably use shortcuts, but instead I'm walking two feet (laughs) (laughs) and and I'm at my desk. I mean, even one thing that I've been doing more is like casually listening to podcasts that, I mean, so this just gets into, I have so much bad behavior of I'm a hoarder, like almost (laughs) with Instapaper links and podcast episodes and YouTube watch later stuff. That one thing I'm trying to do is get through the backlog of, I just like subscribed to like 25 podcasts in the last year and didn't keep up with all of them. Hearing 
people casually talk about shortcuts or just like Apple stuff that's not the news of the week helps me get into a working mindset. I want to set one up for the HomePod that I have here on my desk that turns all the lights blue, which I have now, which I'm trying to use for like work mode and then starts playing one of my like more casual podcasts and just kind of like set the environment for me. And even, man, now it's like... See, this is, I do. I love talking about shortcuts because I always come up with like 10 ideas right? Yeah. in the middle of it. Do you use Launch Center Pro at all in conjunction with shortcuts? I know their new one is really useful for iPhone with the NFC ability. At least right now, it's definitely the best solution for any sort of scheduled shortcuts or location-based shortcuts. But it's not as direct as like, again, it's not automated. They are shortcuts. And so... Launch Center Pro will give you a notification to run the shortcut, which you then tap and run. I'd say I'm an 80% kind of guy. Like that gets yeah. me 80% of the way there, which is great. I am waiting for the next 20% for so many things, but also like you can do it now and you can do so much, especially with shortcuts. It's like, ah, there's a whole world that you can do there. And so just having a trigger and pop up is like good enough for now. Do you know if on the Apple Watch, if you'll get that notification and if you could say yes to it there versus digging out your phone it launches launch center pro and so there's no launch center pro for apple watch and it takes like the ui of it there's no shortcuts for right right so that would be amazing right and the way notifications work on watch is you can only reply to like text there's nothing else outside of that in theory all of that could be possible but it isn't in the way launch center pro or shortcuts is implemented i hope that the workflow watch app going away is a precursor to a better shortcuts version of that. But right now there's nothing that exists. And so there's a lot of people were actually kind of upset about that because it was great. And you could log health data from your watch without using your voice. And now you can't. Yeah. I had one for, I tapped a short, uh, a workflow, the old workflow app to like find all the Apple pay locations nearby was one I used. Oh, nice. That's good. I always hit the, uh, edges of a lot of shortcut stuff when you have a thousand shortcuts because the Apple watch trying to like understand that was like, Oh no, thanks. And like, I don't think the watch app even, I don't think it was like on the latest SDK when we were acquired. And so that does take a lot of effort to like redesign the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, just real quick with Launch Center Pro, actually, I forgot to say I do have the NFC tags and I am using them. I have a whole Apple Music Mixes and Masters shortcut that I built. And I put this on the suite setup also where I take each of the playlists that Apple Music makes for you, like the favorites, chill, friends, and then what's the other one? Just new music. This is a choose from menu shortcut. It actually is four menu options with five of its own menu underneath. So it's basically like a 20 function shortcut. And it basically takes that playlist and either plays it, shuffles it, opens it, adds it to a master playlist, or plays and shuffles the master playlist. (laughs) And so it's like, a multi-tool for all of those. And I have the Launch Center Pro NFC tag underneath where my HomePod sits. And so I basically hold my phone up to the HomePod. I can run the shortcut and then like start interacting with my music from there. That's really cool. Yeah, I can imagine some in the kitchen for like opening recipe apps and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a shame there's no <laughs> iPad NFC because right now it's the phone. There's no easy way to beam that to 
the iPad. Yeah, bigger that's screen. fair. It it has to be pretty close, and so smacking my iPads, yeah, thirteen inch <laughs> iPad against like the counter <laughs> is not exactly something I want to do. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned APIs before. What have been some of the most useful ones for you to work with within shortcuts? I started with Dark Sky, which I think helped because I understood the data that I was working with and it was fairly well documented. A big thing with any sort of API JSON data is I use just like jsonformatter.org and it just can visually show me it like indents based off of the layers of data. And so that helps you understand when you're going through and trying to extract the data in shortcuts. Each layer is like another, I need to get a dictionary value and go deeper one level versus if I'm staying in that layer, I'm working off of the same bit of information. And just like Dark Sky helped me because I knew what weekly weather data should be and what daily weather data should be. And going through those different levels kind of gave me a framework for it. But Airtable also has very, very good documentation for all of the databases that you create there. So Airtable is like spreadsheets for the web where you can kind of like turn a spreadsheet into a Trello board and into a calendar and have a bunch of rich data associated with it. And because it's all web-based, they have APIs for every single thing that you can do with it. What's really useful is that their documentation is based off of your actual data that you put into the database. And so you built the structure of how it works and then you can go back and grab it out of there literally. And so that's super helpful. And it like gives me this whole playground to work with, but I wish Airtable's iOS app also lets you do those Trello and calendar views because you can't actually right now. So Hmm. it kills me because it's like so close. I can, get all of the data in using this whole third party app, but I can't actually <laughs> view it the way I want. And it's like, mm. I just saw they raised like a hundred million dollars and the, there's a photo of the guy looking like Steve jobs on like Forbes magazine or something. And it's like, I want to go to their offices and be like, you have to make your iPad app better. You can't be the future of my technology world and limit my views just cause I'm on mobile. Like, yeah, ah, uh. sorry that got off track, but it is like, the API is so good. And I discovered this like two years ago. It's like I should have hit them up then and been like, guys, this is the future right here. And working with Siri shortcuts is like a whole magic realm that they can get into that I'd say that's appealing for sales data. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I'm wondering how much they're aware of people using Siri shortcuts and if their API key has been going up and up because of this. Yeah, I got to keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I know you can do in shortcuts, but I've never known really a good way to make use of it is running a script over SSH. Is that something you've found people doing creative, cool things with? I don't know because I am not a programmer. If there are any more developers out there who want to work with me to like, I do want to bridge the gap between what's possible with computers and what shortcuts and like understanding exactly where those holes are and or where you can do something that you didn't realize you could do on the computer. Like, I just didn't know when I first was working with workflow that doing repeats and stuff like that is programming concepts. And you can do that kind of stuff already here. But I think SSH is like, if you already know how to do it on a computer, you can just have shortcuts trigger your computer to do it for you. Yeah. Which is 
that is still very powerful and i think it's worth checking out if you're in that realm but Mm -hmm. if the letters ssh don't mean something to you like it's probably fine for now (laughs) another action that's in that kind of scripting area workflows is base 64 which i know federico's done some crazy things Mm -hmm. Can you explain what this is and how people can make use of it? I can explain it in a layman's way where it's <laughs> like, I don't fully understand. It does seem like magic, but I know what's happening, not yeah. like how. Base64 encoding is essentially taking an object and turning it into a string of characters. It essentially takes like an image and represents it as a string of characters that another computer can turn back into that image. It sounds fake, but then it's also like, wait, that's how computers do it already is (laughs) (laughs) how do you transport images on computer? Like we're getting real deep here, but um, yeah, like files are just bits and yeah, exactly. So it's essentially instead of you seeing the visual representation, it turns it just back into like the pure code version. And then somebody else's computer can, decode that base 64 data back into the original information and so the way federico has been using it is to essentially store image assets as code in the shortcut itself because otherwise you have to somehow share the images with people and have them add them to their own library so that you can work with them instead he like smashes the image into bits and sticks it in there and then reformats it back out I think it's a little bit computationally expensive. And so like shortcuts, I think they had to fix bugs because Federico was doing that. And so many (laughs) people started it like it would overload the widget because it took more memory than it's available to widgets. Yeah. And and because it had like 15 different images, base 64 encoded in there (laughs) and he's like layering it on layers and it's stuff that your phone can do, but iOS basically until this point has never had anything trying to to take advantage of that much power. Shortcuts is like a good reason for the iPad Pro one terabyte to have six gigs of memory because most people aren't using that much, but like Federico and I are, and we can push it to that level. I mean, you can just easily like take a photo, repeat a hundred times and base 64 encode and decode it. And you're, device will have to work for that like Mm -hmm. you can just intentionally force dumb things like that but (laughs) it's possible now and people are pushing it further and further so that stuff gets to be worth it yeah Um, but yeah base 64 encoding is like there's a lot of stuff in shortcuts like that that almost feels like is that really all it takes they just like oh just represent it as numbers again and then you can have images in your code and then like tie that in with apis and you can start to like see how like (laughs) computers work and it exposes that to you but in a friendly ish way it's like it, it is a good gap between using computers and like programming them yeah so earlier you mentioned manipulating text with doing you know the first letter of a word being capitalized and doing the uh spongebob square pants response are there any other ways you've found manipulating text with shortcuts has been useful for you one that i need to explore more is regular expressions and this is another programming concept that is like pretty deep but it basically lets you have like this little special string where you can tell shortcuts to only get certain data out of like a larger blob of text. So something like look through this web page and just find these certain headings for me. It, this gets into like programming 
pretty quickly because it's like a very esoteric language where slashes and curly braces and all this mean a certain thing and how it operates but it's very powerful because it's how like programming works basically how you can look at a web page and do the right thing based off of that and not like go literally looking through the code yourself so that's super powerful and i don't know how to do it and you can do again a layman's version of just replace text manually using Mm -hmm. shortcuts so i do that a good amount of like find all of this data and then replace it with nothing yeah (laughs) just strip it out or um, that's a handy one i I use it as well i mean i end up doing a lot of text stuff where i take all of the titles and then like repeat with each and then add just a dash before them or something like that so that it's now a checklist of items a lot of markdown stuff like putting the title in brackets in the, the url outside of the brackets and then you can take that information and convert it into rich text so i've done that for like in the notes app you can't embed links you can paste in links but you can't make an inline link and also with emails and so i just have a get clipboard and convert to rich text and i use that all the time yeah something i found myself doing is i can't go from so you can work with markdown html and rich text but i can't go from rich text to I think it's Markdown. Basically, I'm making something into like going from HTML to rich text, then to Markdown because there isn't like they left out one of them. I think you can just do multiple steps. So I would go rich text to Markdown to HTML. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing. But it's kind of like uh, yeah, doing a couple conversions. So my day job, I'll get blog posts sent to me that I need to edit that are in rich text. So I will then send that rich. And I think rich text can only be sent. I think okay, you can't go from rich text directly to markdown yeah uh, wait no no to markdown yeah <laughs> you <laughs> can't go from it. html directly to markdown right okay. which is which is weird yeah yeah okay i see what you mean yeah i don't understand why it works i mean just doing a double conversion at that when you're doing it but it's uh... make markdown from rich text uses almost like aaron schwartz's html to text script yeah and so it's doing a specific action whereas converting html to rich text is just like how html works Um, right okay yeah so i think one is is more like something that they programmed whereas the other one is like how it just works on ios gotcha and it's great that yeah it's just a couple steps but kind of interesting that there is yeah there is some weird i mean like with the same getting something in the title case you have to lowercase it all first because it doesn't necessarily always understand what's a word and what's not and stuff like that um like itunes can mess it up because it doesn't start with an with a title letter or something like that so but that's also like again what programmers do it seems like fake but it's like oh yeah just lowercase it first and then title case it and you're good and it's like oh okay sure like my whole count the item is coming from input and if there's zero then do something else like that kind of blew my mind when i first Mm -hmm. heard of that and it's like yeah that's what people do and you have to account for the logic of other weird use cases but that's also what bugs are (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned earlier ulysses like the write-in do you integrate that within shortcuts at all i know they have some built-in i believe built-in actions there yeah those are all using their url schemes so it's mostly a visual front end for what i can also do with just ulysses links so i actually use a good choose from list example is just open ulysses groups and i have just the titles of the different groups that i use and then 
stick this in my widget so that when I run the shortcut, I can just tap YouTube and it takes me directly into the group of YouTube articles that I have working on. I don't have all of them set up because, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I haven't been super productive writing lately because I've been trying to like completely restructure my workflows, for lack of a better word, to, to be a little bit smoother with this stuff. And so one thing I want to do with Ulysses that I haven't yet is creating a new template for some of the stuff that I'm doing and attaching like the proper keywords for the tags that I have on my website ahead of time instead of as I'm uploading because a lot of times I get stuck in the upload process or like even giving myself word count goals because that visualization in Ulysses can help me like the progress towards the finish. One of my most useful uses of Ulysses so far has been I did a magazine article about shortcuts in Mac format, um, which is actually pretty fun. I have a print magazine with my writing in it, but it was character counts, like very specific, <laughs> like this has to visually fit on this page. Yeah. And so I broke down like every single thing that they wanted me to talk about and how many character counts I had. I like flew through that article because it was a bunch of just like endpoints. I just like, I only had so many words to say it and I would just like do that, edit it a bit. And then it was like, Oh, I'm done. I just did chunk by chunk by chunk. And it was really nice. So one thing that was added with iOS 12 is the ability for shortcuts to run JavaScript within Safari how is this being utilized? This is another one where I am not a programmer and I don't <laughs> know JavaScript. So you can run JavaScript on a Safari web page, which is not the same as using JavaScript. I mean, there's an app called Scriptable that almost essentially lets you do very similar stuff, just like run JavaScript on iOS, which is nice. But the way it works with shortcuts is usually manipulating what you see on the page using javascript i've seen some where somebody like forces dark mode on a website by basically just changing the background to black and huh. maybe changing the text to lighter color it's not yeah. exactly perfect a good one for ipad is picture in picture video and i think federico had this in his review his like big article i don't remember exactly which one it was he, he does mm -hmm. so many of this but um it just like looks for the video on the page and then forces a picture in picture window where not every website supports it directly and so that's nice for like youtube.com because you can open up the web page itself and then force it in a picture in picture where the youtube app doesn't let you do it which is annoying <laughs> yeah i don't use it a whole lot probably because i don't know javascript yeah in the same way it seems like a cool thing but i don't know what to do with it and because it, it has to like specifically act on a web page it is always going to be an action extension and a lot of times the stuff that i'm trying to do i know how to do with shortcuts and so moving it into the app itself is more in my line but if yeah anyone listening has tips or ideas like i'm totally happy to help figure out some more un unique ways like i can handle the shortcut side of it once you <laughs> do the javascript <laughs> part yeah yeah one thing from atp that just drives me insane with casey right now is his refusal to use the the better youtube downloader that's in sh shortcuts that is faster yeah i mean i know that Federico is doing YouTube DL experiments too. And I think it it's a little bit more, I mean, they, that's just already built out. Like somebody could build the YouTube DL ones are really nice. And I actually use those also like the shortcuts, YouTube downloaders, because yeah. I actually have a, let's say legal reason to do it too, which is my own <laughs> videos. Like I want to right. cut up and, and share elsewhere. And kind of what I was saying with my shortcuts is once I upload it, I don't need it in my own library. I have the video online. And so 
grabbing my own YouTube video and using it is great. But I think you can get like up to 4K quality with that, whereas you can't right now with YouTube deal, I think. Right. Yeah, I mainly use it for grabbing royalty-free audio sound effects off YouTube. Yeah, nice. And putting it in Ferrite. That's a good um, idea. Which is really handy. And then something I ran across in the Shortcuts app that I haven't really seen before is article actions. What Do you know what those are at all? Sure. So this is great with the chair extension and anything from Safari is there's an action called get diffbot article from page. And basically diffbot is a service that shortcuts always use this, but they didn't just put it in the title. I think that might be Apple lawyers there because um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an Apple provided service. They're yeah. using someone else's in the same way with you translate with Microsoft, not with iOS, but diffbot is like a service for identifying whether the contents of a link are an article, like a format that you can work with versus just some sort of web page. And so the article format is essentially what allows RSS readers to work and everything like that, because every piece of content that's set up to be an article has like the title identified, the author name identified, published date, body excerpt, and everything like that. Like WordPress handles this, I think, for you. Basically, an article is one of those magic variable content types where you can instead of it just being a page, it's like you know that there's a title associated with it and a body, and that's how you can format entire linked posts for your website using one shortcut, is it can get just the title with the URL of that article and then the excerpt of that article and the main hero image and everything like that. It basically gives you like that bucket of data and you can pre-identify what parts you want to pull out because you know that all articles have that same type of content. Gotcha. Okay. And then I think the last shortcut related question with all these actions and stuff is the URL encode and decode. What um, use does that have? Sure. So to clarify, one thing that I see some people get confused about is it's not percent encoding for you. It doesn't do like the full range of converting non-readable characters into like percent readable text for computers it essentially just takes any text and does the very basic like proper escapes for certain parts of percent encoding to make it work as a link what it essentially means is you can type in like a plain text query for google and then when you url encode the text and put it into the string it can open that URL properly for Google and not just like error at your blank space there. You can basically URL encode the text so that it, instead of like space, it does do the percent 20 and stuff like that. And then links can read it properly, but you can also then take a URL with all of that encoded text and decode it back into proper plain text oh that's super handy because then you could also probably do like the uppercase thing where you're making yeah that's cool yeah you can like pre-build links into deeper parts of websites or you can get url encoded text and decode it back into something readable for like super specific uses if you're building like complicated url schemes you can encode data that gets passed into that url automatically but what's also nice is I do actually, I need to personally do the specific detailed research of where this happens. But I think if you just put plain text into a URL action, 
it will automatically encode it for you. This is one of the areas where it's a smart program and it's not like you don't just want an error. Like chances are that space is supposed to be URL encoded and it just does it for you. So that's nice. Super nice. Yeah. So is there anything we didn't cover about shortcuts or otherwise that you like to before we wrap it up? I'd say the Siri stuff is an interesting space where I'm excited to see it go further. Like I like doing a lot of the show result action is how you get Siri to speak stuff back to you when it's run from there. And that's just fun. Like you can have Siri say anything. (laughs) I'm hoping that apps are able to pump their data into shortcuts a little bit better so you can do more advanced stuff without interacting with it but for now also there's tons to work with and it is like the new command line and so i hope people are taking i mean i don't want to pitch it as that though because it's <laughs> it sounds it's scary like legos it's it is something that's fun and you can start out simple and get crazy deep with it and hopefully just like taking the time to figure out little bits that are useful and over time make those connections of oh maybe this could be done in shortcuts I think it'll pay off in the long run because soon you will be able to just be like, hey, supercomputer, do this, and it'll do stuff for you. Yeah. That's a shameless plug for my podcast, podcast. Supercomputer. Great great podcast. Um, Enjoy it. uh, For anyone who doesn't know, I do show called Supercomputer with Alex Cox, and that's our way of avoiding saying the trigger phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey... Yeah. <laughs> now that it doesn't do anything except for home pods anymore. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But still, that, but, that'll, but still. Always, that, that'll hear you from across the house. <laughs> yep. Uh, so thank you so much, Matthew, for your time today. This has been just fascinating learning about the, the stuff that I know I'll, I'll some of, but not all of it. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. I do in general. I got to go on more podcasts because I do just, I like talking about this stuff and I can help even you specifically with some of your shortcuts if you have questions i gotta go through your home screen and send you some specific ones yeah that'd be great and then uh your youtube channel what's the easiest way for people to find that um it's youtube.com slash matthew Casanelli, and i'm crossing my fingers that if you just search siri shortcuts you'll see some of mine although i haven't posted in in a few weeks because i'm kind of gearing up for next year but there will be tons more coming soon awesome and then matthewcastanelli.com as well yeah and on twitter it's matt castanelli because character counts right (laughs) everybody will always forever call me matt because of that and i do technically (laughs) go by matthew but it's fine (laughs) yeah awesome well thanks again really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of ipad pros you can find the show notes over at ipadpros.net you can send your feedback to me at ipadprospodcast.gmail.com. If you email a voice memo, I'd be happy to include your audio on a future episode. I'm on Twitter at ipadprospodcast. And as mentioned at the top of the show, if you haven't had a chance to review the show on Apple Podcasts, I highly encourage you to do so. Every review helps send signals to promote the podcast more in search and helps other people discover the show. As a reminder, you can go to patreon.com slash ipadpros to get the podcast early. Thank you for your time and attention today. Talk to everyone again real soon.